Oh my God, we're here again. How are you? How are we? It's been a long time. It's good to see you. What are we doing? I'll tell you. This is Watch This Immediately, the podcast that glories in the ignorance of its two hosts and shines <laughs> the light on said ignorance. Really ought to plan this out. Um, I'm one of your hosts. My name is Stephen Kress. Uh, with me, as always, is my other host. Manier here. Yeah. And tonight, we are talking about, oh my God, we have such a great show for you tonight. Mm. We're going to talk about 1974's immortal movie, Blazing Saddles, directed by Mel Brooks, uh, written by Mel Brooks, Richard Pryor, and three other people, um, starring Cleavon Little, Gene Wilder, Slim Pickens, Alex Karras, Mel Brooks, Harvey Corman, and the delightful Madeline Kahn. And uh, this is interesting. Distributed by Warner Brothers, a budget of $2.6 million, and to the degree that Wikipedia can be believed, box office of $119.6 million. Like, just since then, or, like, just in the few years that they were observing? It's impossible to know. Mm. I'm assuming this is within... Within... Around the general time of its release. Oh, pretty good. Nice. That's that's outstanding. Yeah. Uh, Because this is prior to Jaws. $100 million million movies did not happen back then. Hmm. So, like, prior to the summer blockbuster, you did not see $100 million movies very often. So, that's pretty big, especially mm. for a comedy. Hmm. Fair. I, I, I think that this is a well-deserving movie, um, you know, garner that honor. Now, this is one that you had seen before. Yes. And, and I had seen this one before as well. I, this is one I've revisited many times. I think the first time I saw it was uh, my friend AJ and I rented it. In uh, junior high or high school, which I think that's junior high is probably the perfect time to be introduced to this movie. Um, when you're about 12, 13, 14 years old, that is when all of the profanity and all of the um, insensitivities will delight you the most. Um, but as you see it in young adulthood and now in, I'm not, I'm definitely not young, but I'm not old, but you know, just capital A adulthood, mm-hmm. you see different things in it. And I, I appreciate it, I think, on a different level than I did when I saw it the previous times in my life. Yes. But um, how – this was not something that you necessarily had fond memories of, as I understand. No, because I, I was uh, probably like 21 or 22 when I watched it. And I can actually remember seeing the part where um, Hedley Lamar goes up to – Lepetamane's office. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like that first scene where he's got that lady, like, sitting next to him. Right. I remember that part of it. And I I sort of remember the part where, you know, they're... Like, like the, the, the part in the beginning where everyone's working on the railroad and those racists come through. But, yeah, like, for some reason or another, it just didn't, didn't speak to me at that time. And I just had this like negative view of it for all these years your early 20s is a hard time to have a comedy a comedy introduced to you i think mm. um, because you're an angry person at that point in your life i think yes correct. you have enough knowledge that you feel like you know everything you don't realize everything that you don't know correct and i know my 
view of movies was I demanded that they entertain me. Mm-hmm. And I demanded that they entertain me on my terms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so if a movie was not immediately everything that I expected it to be, if a comedy was not the funniest thing I had seen, and if it not, was not my idea to see the comedy, it faced an uphill battle. Oh, no. It was, I remember, like, it was my decision to, like, get this movie and, like, watch it. Because I just heard stuff about it. And, um... And so were you just sitting kind of by yourself? Yeah. That's terrible. Mm. That's hard. Comedy is one of the few movie-going experiences that I feel is best shared with a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Um, because Fair. a movie, <clears throat> a comedy on its own can be appreciated. A comedy with other people can be better enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, because I can still remember um, I watched the first Austin Powers in the theater and that part where Dr. Evil has his monologue was like, everybody was just busting up, man. I lo- I was the only one in the theater when I went to see Austin Powers, but I, I also saw the first Austin Powers in the theater. Damn. And then when it came out on video, I pestered all of my friends, like, we have to see this movie. You guys, we need to see this. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I loved it when I saw mm-hmm. it. But, yeah, it would have been better... I saw the second one in the theater, but I didn't like that no. as much. Second second one was trash. <clears throat> I didn't even watch the third one. It's It falls somewhere in between the other two. It's a little bit better than the second one, but not as good as the first. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so this movie, I think, in, in your early 20s, would have had an uphill battle. If you're just kind of sitting by yourself, you're an angry young man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're being like, okay, I'm here. I could be masturbating right now, <laughs> but instead I've decided to cede that time to this comedy. It had better be good. Yeah, it uh, it didn't speak to me the way the way it should have. But and, you know now, like when I watched, I watched it last night. It was great. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoyed it. What um, What do you think you noticed this time that you you don't remember previously, or what What was different for you? I think I was just more, much more engaged in the movie because I feel like the first time I saw it, I might have been a little, just a little distracted, you know, not particularly. Could have been masturbating. <laughs> had, Thinking, had previously masturbated and could well, masturbate again. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Back in those days, when you, when definitely. You're, when you're in your 20s, come on. Yep. I mean, teens, 20s, that's, that's all, all anyone does. You had narrowed a part of your masturbation schedule to fit this in. <laughs> yes. And so the movie was chafing up against that in, in both times. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the lady in the Man's office, you know, she, she didn't hurt. She, she, was, she was Miss 1974 in my eyes. Yeah. She had it going on it's in a conventional good. sense. It's pretty good. But, like, um, yeah, just I feel like the thing I noticed this time was, you know, just engaging with the story more. Yeah. And... I feel like um, I feel like just yeah, like really watching it and taking in, or just taking it at face value essentially. Because the first time I saw it, it was oh you know this Blazing Saddles, one of the most funny comedic movies ever. Hmm. And you know so this time I'm like okay, excuse me, I've seen it, didn't really care for it. I'll give it another shot though. And so my my expectations were low. And, you know, it, it, it far exceeded them. I mean, my expectations should not have been low. And I think as a result, 
this like my my Blazing Saddles experience may also have colored my other Mel Brooks movie experiences. Now, which other ones have you seen? Uh, Young Frankenstein, I've seen for sure. Okay. Um, I have not seen History of the World, or at least not the whole thing. I think I've, I, I may have seen part of it as well. But yeah, like Young Frankenstein, I just remember being like, just really kind of disengaged while I was watching that. But again, that was a time when. I was going through some things, and so, you know, it was the same thing, like, when I first watched this, like, early 20s, trying to figure out, you know, what am I going to do for a job, things like that. Right. Were, were on my mind. Yeah, well, that makes sense. And I th- I think Young Frankenstein and, um, and Blazing Saddles, but Young Frankenstein even more, have this situation where you're going to appreciate it more if you also loved those movies. Um, because Mel Brooks, these, these are the two that I think hit the best out of his various parody movies. Because there's other ones like uh, High Anxiety, that's kind of a Hitchcock mm-hmm. thing, and uh, Silent Movie, which I mean that's obvious, um, but also Robin Hood Men in Tights and mm-hmm. Spaceballs. Mm-hmm. And these two, uh, Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein, obviously come from a place of love and of for those movies. Mel Brooks obviously grew up watching cowboy movies. He mm-hmm. obviously grew up watching um, those old universal monster movies like Frankenstein and Dracula and the Wolfman, mm-hmm. Creature from the Black Lagoon, mm-hmm. that type of um, those things. And so it comes through in the movies. And if you did not necessarily grow up on those, you are dependent upon the comedy itself to carry you through. Mm-hmm. And on the, on the day... It can be different. Mm-hmm. You know, what makes you laugh on Saturday can be completely different from what makes you laugh on Tuesday. Correct. And it might completely miss with you if you don't have much context. I don't know how much context you would have had for old Western movies when you came over. Oh, no, not, none. Like, I, and, I, I knew of cowboys and, and the old term Indians. Mm-hmm. But not not too much else. So yeah, I I can definitely see you kind of feeling adrift. Yeah, you know, I don't know where if it's not making you laugh. Mm. There is no place on the bullseye for this movie to hit. I mean, I mean you. hold on, I was not totally, I was not totally like unfamiliar with cowboys and things of that nature. Well, no, I, it's not necessarily a matter of familiarity. It's a matter of. Do you? Because yeah, I mean, you know the archetypes. Yes. But yes. I'm saying, had you seen Ride the High Country? No. Okay. Had you seen Big River? No. Had you seen, you know, The Searchers? No. So it's that kind of thing. That. Now, I had, however, read a uh, 32 book series set in the Old West. I don't know how well these are the Utah, yes, Kansas. Yes, Those yes. Ones. Okay, Dana Fuller Ross, maybe. Yeah, I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that that really would have applied here. Fair, fair. Um, because I, these are these are very much a love letter to those movies. Yes, yes. and I had not seen those. I had seen no Westerns um, when I first saw this because my dad was not really a Westerns guy. He wasn't really a movie guy. Um, So I had not seen any of those old Westerns when I first saw it. But there's all sorts of really body humor. Mm. And let's be honest, there's 
a lot of forbidden topics in this. Correct. Um, there is, it is a gleefully offensive movie that tries to confront you and tries to confront America with its mm-hmm. various prejudices. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of, um, a lot of homophobic stuff that doesn't read well as well as it used to. And there's a lot of, uh, a lot of racial humor that I think reads exactly the same yeah. now as it did back then. Now, I don't know where, where you know if folks are going to be watching this movie uh, after we talk about it. But if you watch it on HBO, there's a nice uh, African American lady who gives uh, an anti-racism lecture right before. Yeah, <laughs> for like twelve to fifteen minutes. I it was like. longer than I thought it, it was would be. Super, I, it was much longer because I was like, wait a minute, I don't remember this being part of the movie. And and then I mean I realized I think midway through I was like oh no they added this later okay fine like, let's see what's what's up yeah I was I I kind of wonder if it maybe Turner Classic Movies is under the Warner Brothers thing and I kind of wonder if yeah. they had the TCM people whip up a little something because they yeah. were like we don't want to feel like we're condoning anything it was very much a TCM vibe you're right so like right before they would play a movie that they have that person like usually an old bearded yeah. guy talking yeah they can't have the like the Joseph Mankiewicz guy no, no, no. no it has to be like we need somebody who is not yeah. white and not a dude exactly they were like uh, get someone who looks like Debbie Allen circa 1985 yeah so yeah, that was something that caught my attention. I, I kind of skipped through that. I was like, I pay good money to not have to sit through yes. cultural context. <laughs> like, I know what I'm getting into with this movie. Oh no, for sure. I, but I was like, you know what? Let me just let me just take in the whole experience. You're a better person than I am. We've established <laughs> this. Um, but yeah, as a kid, you have that. You have all of those taboo subjects right. and all of that taboo humor. That is what drew me in as a kid. I was like, I got to see this movie because I know how mm-hmm. I know how offensive it is. Um, and then, you know, years later, I have more context for it because I've seen, you know, just in my own movie journey, I've seen old cowboy movies like Ride the High yes. Country and Red River and um, and The Searchers and other John Wayne kind of things. And so I get this more. And I was realizing last night, um, this works, this movie works as, as satire. It works as a parody of those cowboy movies, but it also just kind of works as a Western. Yes. The correct. story works on its own. So. Correct. It's probably the weakest element of it, but you can watch this as a satire. You can watch this as a um, as a parody of Western movies, and you can also just watch it as a Western. I mean, like my my father in law is really really into westerns. I can see that, and so whenever I go to their house, I, like I've been more exposed to like these old like cowboy shows uh, than I ever was as a kid or as as a younger adult. You need to sit him down and say. Mr. Father-in-law, tell me about the Rifleman. <laughs> tell me about Chuck Connors. You know what? I I'm fairly certain I've seen at least one or two episodes of that show. I believe that. I'm it sure is. there is a streaming service that runs it, or probably like a TV over-the-air it's, TV uh, thing that runs it like, constantly. Like, I think it's like Meat TV. Probably. Yeah, because there's it's it's one of those over-the-air like like you know one of the secondary channels yeah. like 38.2 yeah yeah it's one of those but uh yeah i mean it's as i said it's uh it's something i've been more exposed to since i got with my wife and so that may also have helped um, create some context for me well and it's just like any other pop cultural any other referential 
pop culture item, mm-hmm. um, like The Simpsons. You can get jokes from The Simpsons now. Mm-hmm. Like if you go back and watch an episode of The Simpsons from 25 years ago, you're going to see things now that you didn't notice 25 years ago right. because you've seen something or you've heard a song or you read a book or something that was referenced in that that you didn't see. Mystery Science Theater is another one of those. Oh, yeah, sure. But that applies to just standard movie going. And I think, yeah, now you have more context and I think it opened itself to be appreciated as an adult in a way that it wouldn't have when you were in your 20s and that it couldn't have just because there's no way in hell you would have experienced it right. when you were in, you know, when you were a kid. Right. And I just felt like, you know, the story is is I mean, it's a really solid story. Yeah. And I, we we won't belabor it if you know what Blazing Saddles is. That's probably the only reason you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you haven't, where have you been? Yes. Um, it is one of America's greatest comedies, in my opinion. Um, mm. And it's, it's definitely one of the greatest comedies of the 70s. Mm. I think if you weigh like it, if you stack it up against any other comedy from the 70s, Blazing Saddles will come out well. Wait, now, did Mel Brooks also do Dr. Strangelove, or was that... That was Stanley Kubrick. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Huh. I would not have expected him to do such a movie. But it also had Slim Pickens. Yeah. Yeah. Because Slim Pickens is the guy who rides the bomb down. Interesting. And also, he has my favorite... One of my favorite lines in uh, in Blazing Saddles was, What the hell is that shit? (laughs) There was a guy in high school, one of my classes, who absolutely loved that line. And there was a, a literature class that we had together. And the teacher was one of the... He was a young guy. I think he might have just been doing his... uh, he just got done with his, his student teaching, mm-hmm. new teacher, mm-hmm. and so he would let us get away with swearing, and he would let this guy get away with being like, "What the hell is that shit?" <laughs> and he had a he had a pretty good approximation of it when okay. he would say that. Okay, very well, very well. But uh, also, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Madeline Kahn, who is delightful. The German, the German lady. Yes, yeah. Madeline Kahn is one of the great comedic actors of the seventies. I know. <laughs> Just the, the the her introduction as the German, um, what, what vaudeville cabaret girl? Yeah, got a cabaret. Yeah, that was this. It's off tune, but it's oddly compelling. Well, and she's. Um, are you familiar with Marlena Dietrich? No. Okay, she's basically just doing. Uh, an impression of Marlena Dietrich, who sounded exactly like that, was a German lady, um, was really popular in uh, in the 30s and 40s, hmm. and also in the 50s. Um, but she she had that kind of husky voice, and she would always end up singing a song in her movies, and it would sound like that. Where <laughs> it's like it's not exactly in tune, but it's kind of husky, and yeah. kind of she's kind of sexy. <laughs> like we're all just going along with it, and so yeah, she's. Essentially, just aping Marlena Dietrich okay, for comedic okay, effect. Okay, but it was usually serious when Marlena Dietrich was doing it. Yeah, no, the Madeline Kahn was 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 fantastic in this movie. Like just the way she puts that uh, Hedley Lamar in his place, love it. Yeah, and yeah, um, Harvey Corman as Hedley Lamar. Hell yeah! Now the one part of this movie that was like kind of it's kind of weird, man, is at the end where it becomes kind of meta. Mm-hmm. Where they, it's 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 of course the part where you know they've built essentially a set out in the middle of like the uh, the wilderness, yeah, and and then they 
just go on to a movie set in L.A. where the movie is being shot. Yeah. They crash that... Uh, are we saying it was a film about gay folks? Because there were a bunch of... Uh, those dudes all seemed to be gay, like the ones who were dancing. They were gay. The film was not about gay folks, I don't okay. think. Well, I mean, it's not a film anyway, but my, yes. I think they were just saying, oh, yeah, all all guys who sing and dance in movies are gay. Mm. Um, which is... a lot. The gay humor does not land anywhere near no. as... It's not as well observed. It's not as well thought out. Um, They didn't have, you know, they had Richard Pryor writing the racial humor. They did not have somebody, they did not have a gay man writing the gay humor. Who, like Harvey Lind or someone? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no, Paul Lind. Paul Lind, yeah. Harvey Lind. They did not have Paul Lind writing the gay humor. (laughs) Um, But uh, I, I... found that confusing when I was a kid. Yeah, man. It was super confusing for me. I kind of loved it when I watched it last night because I was like, yeah, the whole thing is just breaking down. Yeah, exactly. I was like, it's gone off the rails. I mean, I'm not hating it, but it's it's really weird. If you see this movie again in your lifetime, you might like it a lot more, especially knowing that it's coming because okay. it really is like, I mean, so many movies have this thing towards the end where all hell just kind of breaks loose. Yeah, yeah, that's what happens here. And that's, here they take it to the logical if insane conclusion, which is okay, yeah, it's going to spill out, it's going to spill into all the other movies on the lot and it's going to spill into the commissary and like it's going to spill over into the tour and the tour is going to get involved in the fight and you know, the (laughs) the villain is going to get involved in everything and the villain's going to escape into the movie theater where the movie is showing. Yeah, exactly. It's The the way it circles around, I think, is actually it's kind of brilliant. My wife uh, observed something about the commissary scene like They've got that tour group coming through, mm-hmm. and like all the women um, have have like the uh, cream on their boobs. I didn't notice they that. Come out. Yes, that's <laughs> oh man, that's genius. Like they've gotten felt up or whatever. That makes sense. <laughs> oh my god, that's that's another thing I love about movies like this. Is there's always something for yeah. you, always something exactly. for you to notice. Exactly. Now I would say you know, b- besides the like. I may just watch it again, my like you know, in the next couple of weeks, mm-hmm. just uh, to kind of like you know, reacclimate myself to the vibe, and then maybe like the end will will hit a little differently. I think you know it's maybe not even you don't necessarily even have to watch it anytime soon. Mm. I just think if you happen to see this again in your life. I think you're going to find it a lot more pleasant. I think, I think you're I going to find it less jarring. And I, yeah. I frankly welcomed it. I was, it made me happy mm-hmm. to just to see, since I knew it was coming, it's like, here's the chaos I've been waiting for. Here's yeah. the chaos that has been boiling. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, as a kid, it's confusing. And then it all kind of circles back around in, and then we're watching the movie, and then we're back in the movie. Right. And then they drive, they're driven away off the set of yes. the movie to, instead of, you know, riding off into the sunset. Exactly. And it's it feels like a joke for anyone who knows how movies are made. Exactly. That's what I, that's what I feel like. You're right. And it's once you're in on the joke and once you get the feeling that you're not the one being taken for the ride, it's a lot more fun. I can't imagine... It must have been insane to watch it in a movie theater in oh, 1974. For sure. for sure. And if you had a, like a big crowd who was into the movie, it was probably hilarious because you're just rolling with it and trying to figure out... Mm-hmm. Like, we don't even know what's going on anymore. It's mm-hmm. just craziness. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, 
I feel I kind of wish I would have seen it. Uh, the Screenland was showing this sometime over the last Ooh. year or so, and I kind of miss. I, I wish I had taken advantage of that because um, this would be a good movie to It'll see with the crowd. I'm sure it will. if it comes back, let me know. I'll probably go with you. Yeah, because this this would be a good movie to see with a with a hot crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I would say you know we we can certainly get to the ratings and. Um, I would say for me personally, it's uh, it's a cultural touchstone. Man. I I cannot disagree. I mean, th- I think this is one of the movies. If somebody said, "Well, I I need to see ten comedies from the nineteen seventies," correct. Um, this is definitely going to be on that list. It might even be top five. I would say um, so. I would say so. And not only that, it speaks. It says so much that is still. True, and it does it in a way, in that Richard Pryor kind of way, which is, oh, yeah. okay, I can laugh at this, but no one's letting me off the hook about it. So I'm still uncomfortable about it while I'm enjoying it. I mean, you can t- definitely, to your point, tell that Richard Pryor um, had a lot of a lot of uh, the, the writing duties for the racial humor. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, it, like if, if you know what Richard Pryor does in his other comedy, I mean... It's fairly by the by the numbers, yeah. In that regard, yeah. It's it's definitely. I mean, it's got that Richard Pryor stamp all over. Exactly. It. If you've seen any of his stand up or heard any of his stand up, exactly. it has the same kind of rhythms and it has that mm-hmm. same confrontational thing of like you're going to laugh at this, but I'm not going to give you my benediction for mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we can laugh at this together, but you're still a piece of shit. <laughs> exactly, hundred percent. And so I feel like. Um, yeah, like I mean, I think you agree with cultural touchstone. Huh? Yes, absolutely. This is a cultural touchstone. Okay, fantastic. So yeah, this continues, I think, our current streak of of things that are enjoyable for us. Yeah, we've we've had a lot of uh, had a fair amount of agreement lately. We should. Yeah. I don't know. Perhaps we should veer off into the ditch, find something we're going to argue about. So hmm. we don't just give people synchronized <coughs> swimming every time. You know. This is a movie, as you've said, which is highly dependent on when you saw it, mm-hmm. when you watched it. This terrifies me. There's a, another movie. By no means a good movie. Mm-hmm. But still. I'm intrigued. It's a movie that came to me at the right time. The never-ending story. No, that was terrifying. Uh, no, no, that that big what was that that, that big like Falcor uh, the Luck Dragon. Yeah, the the pup. It looked like a not a puppy, but like almost like a a fish. It's it was terrifying. Love it. I'm thinking about perhaps how high the Is Method, that the Method Man, Man and Red Man movie. Yes, I know nothing of this other than the fact Method Man and Red Man are in it. Look, uh, I'm just going to warn you. As I said, it's not a good movie, but I saw it in my early 20s, and it it uh, hit all the right buttons at that okay. time. Now listen, we I think we're intelligent enough to say that art is always subjective. Yes, yes. Comedy is subjective, especially. Yes. Um, so I can't promise I'll like it. Oh, no, no. I can promise that I will give it every opportunity. I mean, I've, I've, I've maybe turned you against it a little bit by saying it's not a good movie. I like a lot of movies that aren't good movies. Okay, good, 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 good. My concern is, does a movie entertain me in the way 
is it is it the best movie that it is trying to be? That's that's what I ask for. Does a movie? I don't know how to explain it exactly. I I am willing to meet the movie where the movie lives. The movie does not have to come to me. I am not okay. going to dare the movie to entertain me. Okay, okay, hold on. I'm going to say the movie is very lazy. Okay. And so <clears throat> it's by no means trying to give it its all. However, it's highly entertaining for, to me. Okay. Okay. Yes, this movie does not have to impress me. I, I'm not. I'm not asking to be impressed. I'm I just mean, asking to be entertained. I don't want you to be in the in the same level of despair you were in with uh, with Ready to Die or All Eyes on Me. Well, Ready to Die and All Eyes on Me, there were cultural expectations on there that I couldn't get away from. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and these were, and I I enjoyed some of Ready to Die. Mm. I I could not get. I mean, I don't like to hear anyone describing their sex technique. Fair. That that's juvenile. I Fair. I felt embarrassed for him. Okay. I felt sorry that he is dead so that he could not defend himself. That's fair. That's fair. Um, and I I also just don't care for his voice. So I, that it was going to be hard to get over yeah. because I could not get over the sound of his voice. Yeah. yeah the some voice. of the I mean some of the rhymes were good and his his flow is undeniable. Yeah. But I did not enjoy the experience as a whole. Oh. Um, All eyes on me. That was. Cultural expectation. I could not uh, could not get past that. But also, I don't feel that it's anywhere near, um, any anywhere near as good as its reputation suggests. Mm-hmm. I feel like it is bloated. I feel like it is, um, it is. about forty five minutes of decent music stretched out over two hours and fifteen minutes. That's right. How high is not a long movie either. So at least it's got that going for it. But as I said, I'm intrigued. This is not something was, I have. I have zero knowledge of this movie. Think about guys in their like twenty to twenty-two. What what you would have enjoyed, or what would have made you just start giggling and laughing? And this movie hit those buttons for me. Okay, I can almost guarantee you that when I was twenty-one, twenty-two, I would not have laughed at how high. But that's just because I was an unbearable tool at that age. Mm-hmm. And so I would have been one of those people that I now hate where I'm like, I watch a movie. I'm like, entertain me movie. I demand you entertain me. Mm. You've, you're older now. Yeah. Now I just want to watch a movie. Correct. Correct. I'm ready to meet how high on how high's terms. Like, like how high does not have to meet on my terms. You've thrown away the monocle. Yeah. Okay. I don't care. Okay. I, I was not the arbiter of good taste when I was in my twenties. So I'm definitely not the arbiter of good taste now. Okay. I just want to see a movie. So, well, how high? Is... If how high is the movie? Look, I might not like it, <laughs> but I will give it a shot. Okay, okay. I wonder where we can find it. We'll 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 figure this out off air. But, yes, uh, yes, we will. And uh, you know, it's it's probably on at least one platform. I mean, I can't imagine. If nothing that else, I am confident that I could walk into Vintage Stock and pick up a copy of it. Hundred percent, you could. Hundred percent, you could. So, all right, we well, can figure this out. With that. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see you next time. Yeah. Peace. Bye.